1: Hello, everyone. Rob Guest from football.london here, and welcome to the latest episode of Golden Guest Talk Tottenham. Bit of a different one today. We are currently doing it live on Facebook, uh, as it has been quite a hectic morning in North London with Nuno Espirito Santa losing his job as Tottenham head coach then potentially Antonio Conte coming in through the door in North London. So I think always in the world of top uh, Tottenham Hotspur, there's so much to discuss, so we'll crack on anyway. As you can see, I am joined by Alistair Gold once again, as he has been nowhere to be seen over the past 10 days or so. He's been away and he's come back to uh, quite an entertaining day so far in North London. So Ali, first of all, how are you? Glad to be back.
0: Well, I'm not technically back, that's the thing, I'm kind of mid-holiday, I have just kind of popped back to the UK for a couple of days, kind of mid-holiday, because um, we're just we're heading away a little bit, just to Portugal for a few days, um, and obviously it was very kind of Tottenham just to wait until a few hours after I stepped off the plane back onto British soil to decide to dispense with Nuno Espirito Santo after just four months. But as everyone knows, it seemed to be a bit of a weird theme. Whenever I kind of have a week off or a couple of weeks off, strange things happen at Tottenham Hotspur. And uh, yeah, plenty to talk about today.
1: So, yesterday, obviously, following the 3 0 defeat against Manchester United on Saturday evening, there was a lot of talk about discussions taking place between Daniel Levy and Fabio Paratici regarding Nuno's position at the club. Then, this morning, I think just after the quarter 10, it was finally confirmed that uh, Nuno and his coaching staff had been relieved of their duties. Spurs at the bottom of the statement said that they would make uh, an announcement regarding uh, the coaching staff. Uh, in due course in terms of what comes next. There's Vitesse Arnhem coming up on Thursday in the Europa Conference League and then obviously Everton in the Premier League on Sunday. So now we're just waiting to see who comes in, but it potentially does look like it is going to be Antonio Conte, which I'm sure will go down well with all Tottenham fans after they missed out on him in the summer. So anyway, we'll get on to Nuno's dismissal Ali. Right decision
0: it's such a shame i don't like to see anyone losing their jobs at all and i'm not one who buys into all of that stuff of you know the hashtags and the new knows out and the well, new no out is only one of them um i feel i feel sorry for him in that you know he, he's clearly a good guy all our dealings with him i'm sure you feel the same as well he's a good guy everyone in the club that i spoke to about him says he's a good guy. It's just this kind of feeling of, unfortunately, wrong man at the wrong time, the wrong situation. He just, you know, he came in into a really, really difficult um, summer for Tottenham. You know, it was one where star players wanted to leave in Kane and on Dembele. Um, Well, not all his star players. Sonny wanted to stay, so that was one good thing. But, you know, it's just such such a mess at Tottenham. And he came in with everyone well aware that he was so far down the list of names that they wanted he wasn't even on the original list before parasici came in um so he was almost coming in on a you know use a cricket language, like a losing wicket kind of thing and you just kind of feel like the players i think the players in his preseason kind of bought into it um they were certainly much fitter and you could see in the start the first month of the season there was something he, he had this kind of little kind of seed of something growing um, but he just couldn't sustain it and, and from what I understand towards the end you know the players just weren't behind him um, Well, not not all the players that's not fair to say all the players but you know certain sections of the squad weren't behind him And I think we could see that in performances the commitment level I mean he even alluded to it himself didn't he while I was away I was looking at the press conference staff and he spoke about I wish every Every player had equal commitment. And then I'm sure most people have now seen that pierre M. L. Hoybier interview that he did after the match on Saturday, where he seems to as if he's going to go down that road and then stops himself like, you know, he really shouldn't say anymore. Um, and that in itself is a sadly common theme, I think, at Tottenham. You know, yes, the manager wasn't right. And unfortunately, yes, I think it was probably a case of when he was going to leave, unfortunately, which is which is a sad thing in in any any kind of employment, let alone football. But yeah, the, the, this this common theme of, of players not taking to managers at Tottenham and complaining about training. The, the one I kept hearing uh, from people around the players with, with Nuno was that you know that the the training, the preparation before matches was uh, the bulk of it was done on a match day. They had these big kind of meetings in the hotel before games and some of the players felt they should have done more preparation ahead of games, but then Nuno could probably quite rightly say, look at the fixture schedule. When do we have the chance to do all of that kind of thing? And Yeah, it just wasn't working. The the performances, obviously I was away, so I didn't see the bulk of the last week, but I'm led to believe uh, that... You know, certainly from yourself, reading all of your talking points and things, that it wasn't much of a departure from what we've seen already. It's still a lack of chance creation, a lack of real kind of desire to just the attacking movement. I think it's probably the most depressing thing about it all. You know, all the stats spurs are like 18th, 19th. And unfortunately, it came to a moment, I understand, on, on in Saturday's game when just after the Cavani goal, uh, Fabio Paraticci just just walked off, Just he was just furious, walked off, didn't come back to his seat. And I think that probably sowed the seeds for his kind of demise, Nuno. You know, four months is a ridiculous amount of time. You know, any manager out there will say, how in the world am I meant to build something in four months? But if you haven't really got the players behind you, was it ever going to get any better? And it is, it is sad, but... You know, we, we see what comes next and in this bizarre roller coaster that is Tottenham Hotspur as they lurch from one unconnected decision to the next. I mean, what did you make of that? You, you were there for that final week. You know, I was off across Europe. What, what did you actually um, make of those last three games of his tenure?
1: Very much the same as what September was. I know there was a bit of early promise in October with a decent performance at home. To- against Villa looks good in the first half against Newcastle and you're thinking yeah try and build on this but that certainly didn't uh, work out in Arnhem for the Europe Conference League looked like they could have got a point what had they been uh, handy but just wasn't to be and then West Ham <clears throat> just were not not good enough again uh, limited chances in front of the goal I mean they were unlucky with Harry Kane's head of what Fabianski saved. And, you know, if they scored uh, just before half-time, then you could be talking about a different result altogether. But after the break, yeah, they had a couple of openings on goal, but just did just did nothing to test Fabianski. And that was very much the same on Saturday. On In terms of Saturday, I know they got booed off at half-time. For me... I personally don't think they deserve to be booed off. I thought they were unlucky to go in behind because Larice only really had a save from Fred to make. Yeah, United had a couple of chances, but it was a moment of brilliance from Ronaldo. It was such a good finish. Spurs did create a couple of openings. There was the one where Lucas, good ball over the top for someone, he should have done better with. And then there was the one when... Came played, son through the flag did go up. I think if he did score, he would have gone to VAR to double check given how tight it looked. And Christian Romero did have the ball in the back of the net. But yeah, the past week, obviously it hasn't been good. I mean, lucky you to miss out on the those few <laughs> games, given how bad they were. But I think when everyone inside the stadium was booing when Lucas came off nine minutes after the restart, I think the right was on the wall. For Nuno, then that was just like the point of no return for me it, there was just no way back for him uh even if you know you, you win against Vitesse uh you beat Everson at the weekend what he needed to do was like win games by quite a big scoreline and you know have a good performance from the players and attack but that was just never going to be the case and when you're so far down the pecking order and fans were already against you before you were appointed you just fighting the losing battle and then once the second goal went in I think you just it was a matter of time before you knew what was coming so yeah I mean Nuna, I think is is a gentleman he's a top man uh, I think everyone's made that point clear in the dealings with him so far but it was just the wrong appointment from the start. It was the wrong man at the wrong time. And I think you better cut in ties now rather than waiting a bit longer down the line because Spurs could find themselves uh, quite a few more points behind the top four. I think it's just five points in it now. So, I mean, there's there's still plenty of games left to do. They can still finish in the top four, but you just didn't want that situation to drag on much longer. I think I put my talking points as well that for the, In the game, there was 25,000 fans in attendance. So, I mean, what would it have been like for for Vitesse this coming Thursday if Nuno was still in charge? So, you never want to see anyone lose a job. Uh, I'm sure Nuno will bounce back. Uh, He's had plenty of experience in the game. He won't be short of offers, uh, but it just wasn't for him at Tottenham. Like I said, it was just the... Wrong man at the wrong time, but now it's down to Daniel Levy and Fabio Paratici to uh, put things right.
0: He's just such such a complex character, Nuno. He was so, you know, I don't think it's any secret. A lot of the journalists didn't enjoy his press conferences. He was very, you know, very difficult to get stuff out of. He didn't really care for the media. But what I don't think he really understood, and I think that frustrated some people in Tottenham as well, was that, Yes, we can be an absolute pain in the backside at times, but we are also the way of getting your message across. And I think that was the big problem for Nuno, was that he never really had a message. There was no kind of, yes, he would talk about the collective and stuff, but almost to a point where it was generic and a bit boring. Um, Just, it's a strange character. You know, we had some, I'm sure people have seen him, and I had a few back and forth over little things and but I always kind of appreciated he, he attempted to answer my questions, even when he didn't really want to and stuff. But I I don't know about you. I don't know if this sounds really harsh, but I just don't ever feel that you got that air of a charismatic, inspirational leader from him. And I think a lot of that is to do with him not caring about portraying that image. But it just obviously it naturally makes you wonder what he's like behind the scenes. And by the sounds of it, unfortunately... The players don't sound to seem to have been inspired by him, um, and like you say, you know he's clearly a good manager, and he's done it elsewhere. Um, you know, at Wolves, what he did that they love him in in Wolverhampton for what he did for that club as well. And and you know, I heard someone saying this morning, oh, he was he was lucky. I'm not sure how you can be lucky at Wolves. <laughs> you know, over three sustained years of you know promotion and Premier League and keeping him in like the top seven for two years as well. Um, I just think, as I said earlier, wrong wrong person at the wrong time. And I think just it's mind-boggling when you look at the decisions that are going on at Tottenham. You know, I cannot help but go back to that moment in November 2019. Um, the analogy I used in both my story this morning and a tweet I put out earlier, I just feel like whatever happened towards the end of Potts' reign, you know, a lot of that I think could have been fixed by those two transfer windows that were utterly terrible from the club where they did nothing, um, not moving on players at the right time, refreshing kind of stale players in the dressing room. And obviously, the Champions League final had a big dent, put a big big emotional dent in a lot of people, including Poch. But still, Levy in Pochettino had lightning in a bottle and he just decided to take the cap off it and and you just kind of wonder... You look back and he cannot, there's no way he can look back to that moment where we, it's almost exactly two years ago now, isn't it? And he must look back and just think, what did I do? Why didn't I just back him, you know, and just, and it's crazy because it's one of those where everyone could see it at the time everyone there were you know yes there were some spurs fan calling for poch's head and, and that's a natural fan thing when results are a bit rubbish and and the performances become stale but i don't think the solution was the manager at that point i think it was fixing stuff around him to help him perform and he bailed on pochettino and obviously the law of mourinho we all we all understood i think the shine the luster of mourinho and, and what he brings um, but even with Mourinho, we got to the point that we were talking about earlier where there were matches where we were going to it and just like it was just we knew what was gonna happen. So Tottenham will shut up shop and then they will hope to rely on a little of individual brilliance from Son and Kane to get them out, to get them some kind of positive result. And it just became that just formulaic thing. And unfortunately, that's kind of where we got with Nuno as well. But unfortunately, poor old Nuno didn't even have the brilliance of those players, because I mean Kane, from every game I've seen, has just been a shadow of himself. I mean, what has he been like in the last week? Has he been similar?
1: Yeah, pretty much the same. Uh, I fought against United. I thought he started off all right. What I noticed was he was pressing a lot more than he has been in games, and I think that was helping them. But, again, he just he had no chances on goal, and then when he goes looking for the ball, he's out of position when Spurs do have it in decent areas. and. As you said, he's just a shadow uh, of his former self at the moment. And honestly, I think we said a couple of weeks ago, you, you were thinking, yeah, he's going to get back on track now after that really good goal at Newcastle. But he's right. he's just slipped back into the previous form. It was in around se- September time. What I did notice, though, in the Burnley game when Spurs were leading late on was... Harry Kane didn't press Ben Mee when Ben Mee had the ball in space on the half halfway line. Pierre Emil Højbjerg went mad at him, shouted at him, mm. was with his hands in the forward motion. He was like, "Why, why are you not pressing?" And I don't think that went down well with Højbjerg because Spurs were hanging on them when, like Burnley were looking to get back into the game. And what do you want when? scores like that you want everyone with obviously hands on deck doing all they can to hang on to that and yeah we've just not seen that from Kane but I think he's gonna have to do that if Conte's coming in to be honest and you'd be hoping if Conte does come in then uh, everyone's performances will improve so yeah it's not been a good few months for Tottenham at all and you know hopefully the good times Two will years. be, yeah, <laughs> yeah, coming around the corner. What I would say, though, in terms of what you're on about with Poch, I I agreed with the decision to get rid of him at the time. It wasn't as if results were bad, you know, a few weeks, a month uh, before his dismissal. Mm. It was from that Burnley game, uh, February 2019. Some awful performances and the run to yeah. the... Champions League final just totally masked uh, what was going on in terms of the league because at one point prior to that Burnley game you were thinking could they even push City and Liverpool there for the title because they weren't even that far off but then they were just dropping points and it was on the final day against Everton where they actually sealed Champions League qualification what you thought would have been in the bag months ago Uh, but I mean on that final day I think. Like Aston, they did a massive swing. So it was always uh, up in the air regards if they were going to get, get in. But as you said as well, but isn't that
0: for, how far it's all fallen, though? Isn't that how yeah. far it's fallen that to get Champions League football on the last day and reach the Champions League final was considered to be a, oh, that's not as good, is it? Yeah. And it's like, look at where Tottenham are now. And it's just like, uh, it's crazy. Yeah. I agree, you know, I agree that the malaise had set in at Spurs before the Champions League final. Like we said, I think we do probably go back to those two transfer windows. But I just think it was more systematic kind of of what was happening at Tottenham around Poch. You know, yeah, of course, he's got some blame to take. There was some little quirks and decisions he made that weren't fantastic. But I just think, ultimately, this the club as the whole, were very fortunate to. F- we talk about Mourinho being the wrong man at the wrong time. Poch was the right man at exactly the right time, and they just didn't build on it with him, you know. And it, you know, who knows? He may end up coming back at some point, but yeah, I think I just think they really missed out there. I think they, they started this kind of chain reaction of just a mess, <laughs> an absolute mess.
1: Yeah. So from going to. Pochettino to Mourinho to Espirito Sansa, now looks like Antonio Conte could be the one coming in through the door I mean, what's the latest in terms of Conte, I think he's the man on everyone's lips now and everyone wants this deal to be signed and sealed ASAP
0: Yeah, Spurs seem confident, but (laughs) we've been here before (laughs) um you know Spurs seemed confident last time and suddenly it all absolutely fell apart I think the difference this time is that Spurs is such a weak bargaining position now they're so desperate they really are in the summer there was maybe a little bit more strength to it but now it's a bit like you know you're going into something with um yeah it's it's really weird it's like You've decided kind of, you know, if, if the what you hear from out the club is true is that Spurs walked away from the Conte talks rather than the other way around in the summer. Um, and now you're almost kind of crawling back with your tail between your legs. And it's like, oh, we need you, Antonio. We made a mistake. So essentially now they kind of have to, well, this is a problem. I think to get him, I think you have to promise him a lot of things. You know, we know what his demands are like at every club he's been at. It's no secret. Um, but the flip side is, is I think if Spurs aren't honest about what the project they can provide is compared to the project that he thinks he's getting, you know what Conte's like. He'll just walk within, like, it could even walk in weeks, let alone months <laughs> or whatever. And, you know, as long as Tottenham and Paratici are going to be upfront about exactly what it's going to be, and he agrees to that, I mean, he's still a volatile character, so who knows? Um I think the key thing with Conte and Spurs is that we're at a stage, Jonathan Wilson wrote a terrific piece on, um, I saw it the other day, on, it was about essentially how Levy had, had done stuff for the future, and had kind of neglected the now, and, and it's quite right, you know, with the stadium and the training ground, there's incredible things off the pitch that Spurs have done, um, but on it, you know, they just kind of let it just go to pot, Um and I think this is the big thing with Conte, is that if they can get Conte signed up, whatever carnage he does appear to leave at football clubs, and he's a very short-term manager, he's very rarely there for more than two years, it is a chance for Tottenham and Daniel Levy to look at the now for a change. You know, they will be appointing the pretty much the ultimate now man. Antonio Conte doesn't care what your football club looks like in five, ten years. That is not his business. He is brought in to coach the squad of players, bring in better players, and win things. And my goodness, Tottenham, Daniel Levy, Enoch, whatever you want to call it, in the last 20 years, they have not done that enough. You know, they just, they just haven't. It's been dreadful. One trophy in 20 years is is embarrassing. It really is for a, a club with the history of trophies that Tottenham has. So in that aspect, Conte certainly will... well. He wouldn't join, I don't think, unless he felt he could deliver it because it would, you know, it would tarnish his I win everywhere reputation. Um, not that stop Mourinho, but it's a slightly different thing. I think the football, it'd be quite interesting because obviously Conte, he likes his back three as well. So it'd be interesting now whether the Spurs fans accept a back three because it's Conte. And I think this is the huge difference. Poor old Nuno came in as like 27th choice. So everything he did was going to be questioned and it was always going to be, oh, what's he doing now? Whereas Conte can probably come in and say, look, look what I've done. And this is maybe what Mourinho got in his early months as well. It's like, I'll do what I like because I know what I'm doing, that kind of thing. And with Conte, he's also a terrific coach. You know, He's taken a lot of players that many would consider quite maybe average players in recent years and he's made them look you know, superb. Um, and you'd hope that's what will happen at Tottenham as well. Um, As I'm sure the fans will say, there's some average players in there. There's some very, very good ones in there as well. Um, And, you know, we spoke about Kane earlier. If there's any sign of ambition and a person who you'd think would, you know, give Kane probably the kick up the backside he needs, and I'm not saying that in a bad way, but in a a motivational kind of inspiring uh, look-what-I've-done way, you know, Kane... Although he was terrific under Poch, he probably actually hit even bigger heights under Mourinho, didn't he? You know, it's he he needed that winner to kind of also believe in him, and, and uh, Conte's a big Kane fan. I think he said it a few times in the past, isn't he? So, if anyone's going to inspire Kane, I think Conte probably is the man. Um, I just, to be honest. I just want it done quickly. I can't deal with another <laughs> ridiculous, long, farcical managerial search. But yeah, I mean, what do you what do you make of Conte and Tottenham? Right fit, right fit for now, or what?
1: Well, it might not be the right fit in terms of what Daniel Levy is probably looking for in terms of the club's future. And then with that statement he said in May regarding the free-flowing attacking and entertaining football, because it isn't always that under Conte, but it's about the here and now. Rather than the future, you've got to get things right on the pitch at the moment. And I think Conte is the best available option. I mean, you're lucky he's, he's still available because there was talk of him potentially going to Manchester United if Oligona Solskjaer was gone to go. I think it's do you mentioned think that's
0: in... played its part? Do you think the yeah. fact of the United possibility and the shift in everything around and the Newcastle money, the other clubs pushing on, do you think they just kind of thought, oh, We've got to do it now.
1: Yeah, probably. Uh, because, as I said, could quite easily be Manchester United manager. Uh, I think he's available. Just go for him. I mean, he couldn't have carried on with Nuno in charge, uh, given what happened against United and what happened before. So things just weren't going to get better. So I think, yeah, you've just got to go go all out for Conte now. Just convince him to get it done you're lucky you've got a second chance because sometimes in life you don't get a second chance there. so yeah I think he It's like I said it's just about the now rather than the future I think he is a good manager really good manager I mean look, look look what he did at Chelsea Premier League title in his first year got into an FA Cup final won the FA Cup the year after won the Scudetto with Inter Milan last season he's Antonio Conte's a winner. He was as a player, he is as a manager, and you know what you'll get from him. He'll just be so passionate on the touchline. he will just be non-stop with the players telling them to press. You know, telling them to do everything. And if you're not pulling your weight under him, you won't be playing. Simple as that. So it's. Uh, I it have gonna- a quick
0: question for you. Does it matter who the manager is at Tottenham? Can they succeed? I think that's what some fans would suggest. You know, you've had Pochettino, you've had Mourinho, you've had Nuno, you're gonna have, looks like it's gonna be Antonio Conte. Can you be someone like Conte Mourinho and succeed hugely at Chelsea and in Italy and places like that? But is the setup there at Tottenham for you to succeed in the same way?
1: Yeah, potentially, like you said, that's named, what, three of the best managers in the world and it's just not worked out on the two of them. Uh, but I think in terms of Spurs, they do have some very good players in the team and they have players who can help them go on and win trophies, but it's just about getting it out of everyone. And, I mean, on paper was Chelsea's team, 2016-17, when they won the league, was was that maybe... The best team they've had. No, I mean you had Victor Moses, didn't you? Who was mm-hmm. right wing back, uh, so often sent out on loan uh, prior to that season. Uh, Conte made him such a good player. He was such a key player for Chelsea in that season. So that was a I year think they
0: Spurs into sec- well Spurs second yeah. there, yeah. weren't they? Yeah, 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 it's
1: yeah, funny, yeah. It was. It?
0: It's how different the uh, the past have been,
1: and that season. Chelsea didn't start off well at all. I think they lost heavily at Arsenal and then Conte changed things at half-time. Then went on a run of, what, about 13 straight wins and, you know, looked, no one cost for the title really early in the season. So, yeah, obviously it's down to the players. Uh, what Spurs are going to need as well is obviously a few more players coming in through the door and that's what Conte will want. In January, I think that'll be one of the main talking points in terms of uh whether he comes to the club or not. He has shown at all his previous clubs that he does like to spend money, uh, bring players in. And a lot Tottenham of money. Th- yeah, a lot of money. And that's uh what he's gonna have to do at Tottenham if he wants to help him get to the next level. Obviously, Pochettino mentioned a painful rebuild. You know, we are in the rebuild at the moment, but there's still much more what needs to get done. Nothing was going to be solved in one summer. But there's a nucleus of a really good team there. You know, Kane, Son, Ndombele, Hoibier is a good player. Christian Romero, who is probably a player Conte will love and who we will, who will know from his time in Italy. So there's some good players there. And it's just about getting it out of... The rest of them are making sure Spurs kick on.
0: I wonder what he makes of Skip. it would be interesting to see how that works. Because Skip's probably been one of the pluses of the Nuno era. And it'd be interesting to see because Spurs, obviously, they always make that demand on their managers of, you know, we want you to try and bring through our young players and make sure that they're getting game time and all of that. And Skip clearly is one who, you know, he he could be very special, but... It'd be interesting to see whether he plays both of them in the same way Nuno did, Hoybier and Skip, or it'd be interesting one in a three. You probably would in front of a three. I think that kind of might be the way you'd have to operate still. Maybe with Tongi in front of them or La Celso or whoever. But yeah, no, I agree with you. I think I th- I'd imagine he'll love Romero. I think Romero's exactly the kind of um Conte defender. Um and then we're gonna have the interesting one of, you know, will it be another manager? who decides that eric dyer's his man because as much as the fans will whinge um sorry whinge moan whinge sounds like a bunch of old ladies whinging that but you know fans obviously make their views known on eric dyer quite a lot and i do wonder if conte comes in and picks him again maybe it's just managers see something that that others don't and then You know, I mean, how's Dyer been this week? Because I think before I went away, he was on the whole being quite positive despite even some of the ropey uh, games.
1: Yeah, he's been all right, to be honest. I know he's one of these players who comes in for a bit of criticism from fans, perhaps not flavour of the month, but I think he's in... In the team on merit i think he started every game he has had some good performances yes there's at times where he ruins good displays by uh some bits of poor play but i think against west ham him and romero you know played well unlucky to be on the losing side against united started off well probably Probably feels he could have maybe cut out the uh, pass from Ronaldo, what was between Dyer and Romero, for Cavani's goal. Uh, But yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, Obviously, he's doing something right on the training pitch to be a starter under Jose, under Pochettino and under Nuno as well. But new manager comes in, new manager might have different ideas. What I would say is Davinson Sanchez in the recent games for me has played well I thought he was very good against Burnley the other day in the Cup he uh, was definitely one of uh, very few bright spots out in Arnhem in the Europa Conference League so he's going to be pushing for a place and you know he could potentially uh, think Joe Roden deserves a place in his team because Joe for me when he has played he's played he's played well and he's I think he's been so unlucky at times not to be in the team and I think I read in one of your articles earlier, it's like four different managers now and he's only been at the club a year. Yeah. So yeah, he's going to be really interesting. As I said, it's a new manager. He'll have new ideas, but yeah, I, I can see Dyer staying in the way he's been playing, but that's all going to be down to Conte if he comes in.
0: I was about to ask you whether you think he might. It might be another another chance for Delhi and Harry Winks and players like that. But there's a part of me that does wonder now: will they look to just let those two players go in January, and that then provides funds? Uh, if you know, obviously, if the interest is there at the right price, to to then kind of give uh, Conte his reinforcements, I guess.
1: Yeah, I think everyone will start with a clean slate. That's always the case under a new manager and everyone will be looking to show the best on the training pitch to ensure they're in the team, obviously on Thursday against Peter Sanham. Because that team selection is going to be interesting now if Conte is in charge by then. And then uh, when they travel to Goodison on Sunday uh, for the Premier League game. So,
0: yeah. They're excited think, about that, eh? <laughs> That's his yeah. first Premier League game.
1: Yeah, to the home of football. Uh, yeah, that will be a tough game, won't it? Uh, Everton were in a rather giving mood the other week against Watford. But I mean, if it was Spurs under Nuno, would they take the chances? I don't know. But yeah, in terms of Ali and Winks, Winks I can't see getting in the team for me. I think they will be Hojbjerg and Skip. Uh, well. Conte might even want to play La Celso centrally as well. What's an option? Drop Tanguy even deeper. Uh, so there's options there. In terms of Ali, it's all going to depend on the formation. What we saw when Jose uh, was appointed straight away, Ali started off really well and then quickly faded. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what the team does look like under him if he's going to be manager and who those players are who he does play.
0: He just won't take any rubbish, which I think, you know, I think that's what this group of Spurs players need. I mean, it's a difficult one because you could argue that the Pochettino era was probably the most successful because they were like a family. You know, that was was a kind of a feeling, a real tight-knit group. Um, I don't know. I think maybe it's just a kind of a, we're a bit fed up with seeing the same old rubbish for two years now. It's just of someone that just goes in and just, absolutely almost reads the right acts and and some players need a little bit of a confidence boost some players just need to be told look if you're not going to do it we'll just get rid of you (laughs) that's it it's as simple as that and conte seems that kind of guy he seems like very much uh, i won't take any passengers you've got to be either with me or not and like i say he comes with the added bonus um of having that winning mentality of having that cv And, you know, and if you're going to disagree with his methods, you're disagreeing with winning. Um, And it's just like, you can't be right. And some of these players, you know, some of them have just been kind of labouring along, not winning anything in their careers. And I'll use whinging in this aspect, whinging about training and things. I've seen, I've heard indirectly from people around players, you know, whinging about how tough training sessions have been. How too easy training sessions have been, how training sessions have got stale and stuff like that. And it's like, oh come on, just just do what you gotta do. You know, I could just feel it in Hoybier's like interview the other day. He just must be, you know, and he's not exempt from blame. I don't think he's been amazing, Hoybier, in, in some of the games this season. But ultimately, you know, ninety-nine percent of the time he's gonna try and give everything. He's one of those guys. I do think, I still believe, like you kind of alluded to earlier, that there's a real core there for anyone that wants to come in of a really good, um, I don't even go as far to say squad, let alone team. I think there's a bit, there's a lot of competition in certain places, and I think with every new manager that comes in, you get certain players step up that you didn't expect him before. You know, they get more out of players than certain managers do. It could be that, I don't know, I'm not going to name a name, but let's say, I don't know, he goes for a different right-back and suddenly you get a right-back you didn't expect suddenly becomes the chosen one. And, you know, like we say, Lo Celso, some fans have been moaned about, maybe he shines under someone like Conte. Maybe he finds a way to unlock kind of the better side of his game. Um, so, yeah, I think something there, but I'm just intrigued to see. For us as journalists, it's going to be brilliant. You know, we had a tough old time with Nuno and as much as I liked him as a person, he was very difficult. Our press conferences were the same press conference pretty much every time. Uh, that will not be the case with Conte. He is, you know, he's a character. We obviously know from our Chelsea reporting colleagues who uh, dealt with him a couple of years back. He certainly is going to be a character. He's not going to be afraid to say what's on his mind. Um, Yeah, I think we'll enjoy ourselves. It's just... How long the show goes on for—that's the thing—and and whether he and Tottenham can can be a good marriage. How long he wants to stick around. Obviously, there's the the Paratici uh, relationship there. You know, I don't think I. I think some people are trying to build it up like they're the bestest of mates, like blood brother type things. I don't really think that they're actually that close. But obviously, there's a working relationship they've had in the past, so they'll know each other and what each other require. Um. So, yeah, let's see. Let's see. There's, there's a confidence that they'll either get the deal done tonight or possibly tomorrow. Um, and, yeah, we go again. However, you know, that expression with Tottenham Hotspur really is the expression, we go again. And may I say, while I was away on a holiday, I noticed they put a tweet out from Hugo Lloris saying, like, you know, now we've all got to stick together. And then they sacked the manager, like, two days later or whatever it was. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I get it. I get it technically. I think it was about the players. But, oh, my goodness. the timing. Tottenham and timing, they don't do it very well.
1: No, what I will say on Conte is I have covered a few of his press conferences before when our obviously former Chelsea correspondent Oliver Harbord was missing. And yeah, they were quite <laughs> they were entertaining. Yeah, <laughs> quite entertaining, to be honest. They'll, they'll be a lot better than noon and we'll get a few more lines out of them. But I think in his second season, uh, at Chelsea, towards the end, I think it was blatantly obvious he was uh, going to go. And the press conferences towards the end, you could just tell he just wasn't bothered, to be honest, because he knew what was coming his way. Uh, but on the whole, I think it will be good under him, providing, of course, that the deal gets done and he does sign on the dotted line. And it's just a shame they couldn't get him in the summer because, you know, where could it's Spurs been be now?
0: It has. Oh, 100%. Yeah.
1: But at least Spurs are still in a good position because, I mean, I was having this this discussion the other day. Uh, Leads prior to the weekend, were about 17. I think they'd won all season, won one all season. But there was never any talk about Bielsa going. No. But then Spurs, who were, prior to Saturday, were two points off the top four. So i think it's yeah. five points now following west ham's win
0: the derby's so sp- didn't know in so much yeah de- you don't lose you don't lose one or two derbies let alone everyone <laughs> and and embarrassingly on occasions as well
1: yeah and i was also saying in terms of obviously the games are not drawn any sometimes i mean are you better off doing that just winning and losing rather than winning losing drawing a few I mean, because they're still up there, still on 15 points, five points away from Champions League places. So everything's still to play for. And there's so long left in the season. So I still think they're in a decent position. And I mean, it's not like they're lurking around the bottom three and they're trying to find a way out of it. So, yeah, I think it can still be a good season. I mean, start of November now, plenty to play for. In terms of the team for Thursday then, would you just go full strength now? What would be our thinking for the game? Because to be honest, they need to win this game. They cannot afford to drop points in this game.
0: it's an interesting one. It depends how quickly he takes charge. You know, if he if they can get the deal done tonight or tomorrow morning and he starts work, you know, I think I think he's in England, isn't he? I think we're led to believe he's come over now. Um to, to actually hold the talks face to face. So if he's in there, um and working, let's say from tomorrow, or even Wednesday, you know he's going to get a, a training session or two with the players. Um, I think he just, I think he just goes with your strongest one. Um, I think it's an interesting one. Whether how how bothered he will be, I, I get the impression of the kind of guy he is, he'll be bothered by every competition. He'll just want to win every single one. Um, and you know we're only in November. The players can't be too knackered right now. Um, I, I think probably he has to come in, yes, and then start with a bang, get the momentum going, take that into Sunday to, as you've called it, the home of football, uh, <laughs> which I'm entirely sure it is, Goodison Park. But, um, yeah, I think, he, I think he just has to. I think he has to very quickly look at his best – you know, it was, a, it was a word that Nuno kept using, and, and I kind of knew what he meant was partnerships and combinations – that was the one thing he kept trying to find the right ones Nuno and I think Conte's got to very quickly discover those because I think Nuno's best 11 took too long to for him to find out and then when it did come it ultimately failed him as well <laughs> and it was like and obviously he made some mistakes himself as well but yeah I think Conte's um just got to get in there straight away and start uh, I'd be interested to see. If he comes in, what his backroom staff will be like. There's a lot of talk that he likes a lot of people around him. And, you know, and Tottenham Tottenham aren't too keen on big backroom staffs. So that's quite a rare thing. And obviously, maybe because of the payout that has to be done at the other end when they inevitably move on. Uh, but, you know, if, as I think we kind of understand, this is likely to be a short-term contract at first for, for Conte. Maybe that makes it slightly easier to bring in more backroom staff if you know you're not going to have to pay them off for three, four years or whatever. Um, yeah, no, I bet your original question, I, I think just go strong. Just go strong because you've got this and then Everton, then you've got the international break, haven't you, in which he can, he'll be able to work with those players not going away. So, yeah i am going to say run them into the ground because who cares about their countries and that probably will be very much his feeling. It's like, well, they're not my problem or how they do for their country. Just use them now. Thursday and Sunday matches, crack on.
1: Yeah, for me, you just go full strength Thursday. I think you can't afford to lose this one because then I think Vitas have Enes at home in one of the remaining games, Tottenham have Wren at home in the last one, what's well, not going to be straightforward. So you can't afford to be dropping points. So uh, for me, go for the strongest team. I think I think Kane will want to play. I think they'll all want to play because they'll all want to be in the team on Sunday at Everton. And then, as you said, it's the international break. There will still be a number of the squad who will remain there. Deli Alley and Harry Winks, they're the two who have been behind... Uh, Hotspur way in recent months, uh, when the international breaks on, and there are two players who will be looking to make an impact and come into uh, his plans. Uh, same as well, Lucas just never seems to uh, be away from Hotspur way because he, he just can't get into the Brazil squad. So, yeah, there's going to be uh, quite a few there in the international break. So, it's going to be an interesting week. At Tottenham. It's on them, it's going to be an interesting month, and then. Very interesting end to the season under Antonio Conte. As fingers crossed, he will be appointed as Nuno Espirito Santo's successor. We'll leave it here for today's latest episode of Golden Guest Tot- Tottenham. So always just keep with us at football.london for all your latest Tottenham news. I think potentially we could have one another podcast later in the week. But if not, we'll have one next Monday to reflect on the VTS Arnhem game and then Everton. So, as always, we need to get Emma on
0: as well. We need to get Emma. I hear that she had a sparkling debut while I was away as well. So, we need to make sure that we get her back on as well.
1: Yeah, it's her day off today. But yeah, I think we'll definitely get Emma back on at some point. So, yeah, as always, thanks for listening and just keep with us at football.london for all your latest Tottenham news.